G'day everyone, welcome to another edition of Wrestling All Style with myself, Chris Funder, and Alex Fruity Williams. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, mate. And how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. But just a quick reminder to the listeners that you can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Podbean, and search for us on social media. And leave reviews and ratings and all that sort of good stuff to really help spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. So just saying quick off the top, uh, we're sort of going back to work at the moment. That's why this one's a bit later than normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, the world sort of shocked us all by opening up a bit quicker than we th- thought we had time for. So Yeah, absolutely. And myself being in hospitality, the week's sort of been a bit bit mad here and there and everywhere. So we've found a, a time where we can both record. Alex, where can people reach you on social media if they want to see what you're up to? Go to Twitter or Instagram, at FruityIsAlex. I recently changed my profile picture and my wallpaper picture on Twitter to focus on my love of Psycho Sid Vicious. I photoshopped my own face on Big Van Vader's body so I could be seen standing next to Sid. And don't worry, I still put the Wrestling Oz Style logo on the wallpaper as well. And I am at I am Chris Funder. As I start to watch a lot more stuff, I'm going to just try to tweet along to what I'm watching. Follow the show at Wrestle Oz Style on Twitter or search Wrestling Oz Style on Facebook. So last week was sort of a bit of a downer. We left the show saying that we were going to try to limit our negativity online how did you think you went alex uh i'm not really that active on social media to be honest so i feel like i did pretty good um i think the only few things i've tweeted or anything since then were just silly stupid things so yeah i think i'm doing all right how about yourself chris yeah yeah i've sort of taken a bit more of a break from social media as well and just step back and go on, is it really that important and sort of second guess hitting send or just write down a bit of paper instead and then throw it in the bin. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like that whole situation was a bit rough and things haven't gotten easier since then, but this is a wrestling podcast. You didn't, you listeners didn't come here to talk about current events about what's going on in the world, not wrestling related. So I don't feel like we need to really delve into that. It's not really our story to tell. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to have to agree there. It's something myself as um, I can't really speak all that much to uh, what's going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the main thing we can do is just learn. Yes, absolutely. Learn to be better people and better humans altogether. Yeah, exactly. But wrestling. Yes, and speaking of week, this past week marked three years since Mick Moretti started a revolution with the You're Gonna Notice Us video, which he launched in 2017 as a call to arms to the Australian New Zealand wrestling community, but also the worldwide wrestling viewing community at large. It originally had around 30,000 views across various social media platforms. I recently retweeted this out uh, a few weeks ago, actually, and you've seen it as well, Alex. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, I honestly saw the video for the first time, like, maybe a year ago, just because I've never been that active on Twitter, and I've only really started delving in to Aussie wrestling in the past year or so. I'm still slowly getting my feet wet, but... I'd seen the hashtag for the entire time. I had no idea it started with Mick Moretti, which sort of goes to show the um, reach he got from that video. Yeah, absolutely. And this thing was being, I remember at the time, it was being sort of retweeted by everyone around Australian wrestling and everyone sort of jumped on board using that hashtag for a fair while with any uh, social media marketing, on, especially on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So from there, it, we can just jump straight into our review of uh, the February scene from across Australia and New Zealand, if you like. Yeah, uh, February. Jeez, doesn't that feel like seven years ago? <laughs> like, like, Jesus, this has been a really long year. Yeah, absolutely, you You sort of don't realise that we're already in June now. Yeah, and the last couple of months have been going pretty slow for me at least, so... Yeah. Okay, so on to the first event. It was February 1st, Melbourne City Wrestling's Clash of the Titans from the Formbury Theatre in Melbourne, Victoria. Match number one was an Air Force free match. It was Royce Chambers versus Zane Zodiac versus Zeke and Dino. Went 8.06 with Zane Zodiac winning via pinfall on Royce Chambers after hitting an aftermat kick. Match 2 was Leo Pratt versing the redebuting Jake Andrew Arthur with Siren Monroe in his corner. Went 4.31, Jake winning via pinfall after a gut wrench powerbomb. Match number 3, the MCW Tag Team Championship number one contenders match. The Velocities, Jude London, Paris De Silva versus Mile High Club, that's Jet Roker and Tyson Baxter. Win 11-11 with Jude London of the Velocities winning via pinfall on Jet Roker after a roll-through leg lock cover. Match number four, the MCW Women's Championship. Steph DeLander, the champion, versus Avery. Went 9-0-2, Avery winning to become the new champion via pinfall after hitting the daddy issues. Match number five was Marcus Cool versus Lockie Hendricks. Went 10-38 with Lockie Hendricks winning via submission after applying the inverted crossface. Match number six for the MCW Intercommonwealth Championship. Danny Psycho, the champion, versus Caveman Ugg. Went 11-14. Caveman Ugg won via pinfall power slam after Danny Stalker got involved on the outside. Match number seven was the MCW Tag Team Championship match. The Brat Pack, Mitch Waterman and Nick Berry, the champions, versus the Natural Classics. Stevie and Tone Philippe. Went 8-24 with Nick Berry of the Black Pat winning via pinfall after a roll-up on Tone Philippe while holding the tights. And match number eight, the 
main event for MCW, the MCW World Heavyweight Championship match. Adam Brooks, the champion, versus Davis Storm. Went 22-17. Adam Brooks won by a pinfall after a swanton bomb. Uh, your overall thoughts, Alex? Yeah, this was a uh, fun show. Um, there were certain things I definitely really enjoyed, but other things I wasn't that into. Um, some things, something's just not clicking for me with the natural classics. I don't know if that's a hot take or anything, but I don't know. They come across come across so cheesy at the moment. Yeah, I suppose. I, I guess it didn't help that they built up to that uh, brother versus brother match so quick, and when they came back from Farley Dojo, they were sort of teaming again. And, like, when they came back, like, the few promos they did, which are on, like, MCW's YouTube channel, oh, my God, do not let Stevie Philippe talk. <sighs> like, I get it, he's young, he's probably... There's a really good chance he's going to get good because his brother's not bad on the mic. So there's a good chance he'll get good too, but he ain't there yet. I have a similar issue with uh, the Velocities, so <laughs> where they're really good in the ring, but what else can they give us? <laughs> Sometimes MCW's backstage can be a bit hit and miss for some like, it's sort of like 30-second interview here, get your point across, go. And a lot of their other stuff that might air on the YouTube sometimes seems like it doesn't air on there. Yes, so, like, what I was trying to say is, like, this card in particular is full of just, like, this guy's a good wrestler, but that's, like, about it that there is to their character or at least as to what's being shown. And the few guys that have a bit more personality, like, outside of that, are the most over people to the crowd. So, like, obviously, the ones that are standing out and actually showing a bit more character are the ones the crowd's really getting into. So maybe you should... I don't know if you can do it for everyone on the roster, but you should have a crack at doing it. What did you think of Edwin Dusk being revealed as Danny Psycho's stalker? Uh, pretty much a wait and see. But for me, anyway, um, I like I said, still getting my feet wet in the Aussie scene, so I'm not too familiar with the guy. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in PCW, and um, he also mentioned that Danny Psycho was his trainer and lost a uh, retirement match against him. That's why he left PCW, he said. I want to ask you this and see your opinion. Of the three matches that we sort of had advertised uh, as the last event went off the air, well, the last event from Formbury anyway, we had the... Uh, Mile High Club making their in-ring re-debut. We had the World Championship match, Brooksy and Storm, and the Women's Championship match, Steph Delander and Avery. Which one of these do you think, once it went off the air in January, had the most uh, momentum coming into the next event? 
Um, it, it'd have to be Brooksy and Storm, right? Like, I guess, oh, maybe like Steph and Avery, but uh, honestly, those three things aren't really enough for me to, aren't enough of a hook for me, to be honest, but yeah. I, I suppose more of the point that I was getting to is, do you think, given that's what was advertised, were you surprised to see the women's championship match going forth as the last match sort of before MCW's intermission? Honestly, I would have main-evented the whole bloody show with it. Okay, so you're in the same the same view as me. It's the first champion in Steph Delander. It's Avery going for her second shot at the title, and if she loses, she can't challenge again. And not only that... You got Davis Storm and Adam Brooks, but like the MCW fans is that you're gonna have to be as a form of a smart mark quotation marks um, if you are following the independent scene. So the fans are able to. It's <laughs> doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Brooksy isn't dropping the title to an interstate guy this early into his title run. So the it's sort of... I never really bought any of the near falls except for Brooksy's near falls. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And sort of... the You're only ever going to get one first title change and one first title win for someone and... Seeing how Brooksy had his first title win at Endgame in uh, November and Avery's here, Brooksy gets full confetti cannon at the end of the show and celebrating in the ring post-match, uh, post-show address and Avery sort of celebrates in the ring but then Kellyanne comes down and tells her that she wants to challenge for the belt and she walks off and then they go to break. Yeah, um, to be honest... Because I haven't rewatched this show, I completely forgot that this was the show that Avery won the title on, and I completely forgot that Steph Delander isn't the champion still <laughs> until you read the results. So, so that sort of says something. Yeah, and then my only other negative, which I'm always going to bring up, is tag team wrestling. Book a tornado match if you don't want your ref to look like an incompetent idiot. Yeah, so you love the, you love bringing this up. This is this is your favorite thing in the world, Hoggy. And I'll I'll just say like yes, I get on this a lot. But if we we're watching any other form of entertainment where the story falls apart for whatever reason, say they're traveling across state and they only have an hour to get from, I don't know, Brisbane to Sydney, and somehow they do it, aren't you going to go, well, how'd they do that in an hour? Oh, what about this? You've got two footy teams on the field. One of them's playing with one extra person the entire time, and the umpire just ignores it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, there would be massive consequences 
So what I was going to say is, like, you love talking about this. Well, I don't think you love it, but you definitely talk about this. And since you started talking about this, it's all I can see. Like, I can't stop noticing it. Uh, when we get to talk about PCW Grand Slam, I sent you a really big message about it <laughs> um, where I actually counted the amount of times that an illegal person was in the ring. Uh, so that is, there's a little teaser for <laughs> for an upcoming episode. But, yeah, geez, like um, I'm done with these tag matches. Like what is it with Australian referees and not being able to bloody hold some rules. It's it's only one or two promotions that I've noticed across all the ones I've watched this month, but I will point out when it's bad, and if I'm not pointing it out and praising a referee because it's good, that's because that's how it should be done. You shouldn't be noticing the referee. That is their job. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, anything else to add, or would you like to... Uh, let, let's... Let's quickly just do some quick thoughts on some of these guys. All right, so let's play a little word association with the MCW roster. I have no idea where I'm going with this, but I just want to hear your honest opinions. Jake Andrew Arthur. Come on, man, you got to be quick. Monster. Okay. Lockie Hendricks, current day Lockie Hendricks. Uh, annoying. Caveman Ugg. Monster. Mile High Club. Good. Potential. Okay. All right. My answer for Mile High Club is vanilla. One of the biggest shocks for me in this whole card was the opening match. I thought for sure Royce Chambers was going to get a W on that one, but I guess at the time he was... Getting ready to head off to DAT or just... Yeah, and I forgot to mention, uh, Dowie actually came out during the match and attacked him with a chair to leave him on the outside. So by the time he did get back in the ring, he was double teamed and then pinned. Yeah, so that was a really positive thing on my part, um, the way that they used that match to sort of not only progress a storyline with Royce and Dowie, which is more than likely going to be... A crazy matchup, um, but also they did a fantastic job of building up Zane Zodiac with that win. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you can see where they were planning to go with him in the future. Yeah. Um, another thought I have is Jake Andrew Arthur. I love I love monster squash matches. So you're not going to hear me complain about it but I can understand if people aren't a fan of him. No, I really do like Jake. I think it's the best that they've presented him so far. Since Helter Skelter. Uh, he's still on this Helter Skelter thing. <laughs> wasn't for me. Good music, that good manager, wasn't for me. Two good big guys as well, just, I don't know. Um, and Lucky Hendrix's new gimmick... What do we what do we have to say about that? It just feels like a a toned, a sort of toned down face version of Loverboy. So, 
when I was on RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, uh, one of the hosts there, Maxwell, he has a phrase where he describes certain wrestlers as theoretically charismatic. And I think it's where, like, you just look at them and you think, oh, they're probably charismatic. But if you think about it, are they really? I'm not sure. Even though I've been a big fan of his for a while, I'm starting to think Lockie Hendricks isn't as good as I thought he was. Like, his matches are good at best, and his promos sort of feel a little bit, a little bit rehearsed at times, and I still just don't know how I feel about the guy. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I was really digging the previous incarnation of Loverboy, and now it's moved on to this guru peace lover boy, so I'm not really sure. I think the best stuff he's done has been because of the person he's been feuding with. Like... Crackers? Oh, that Crackerjack feud. Like, from the tag team to the breakup to Crackers' retirement. Man, that was perfect. And in hindsight, I'm like... Yeah, that was Crackers. But at the time, it sort of made me think, oh, yeah, Lockie Hendrix is your star. But, like, this... And then you think about, like, the Uncle Paul thing. Like, what was the point of that? Yeah, it's sort of all fizzled out now. Yeah, and, like, I get that that was kind of the point. was for him to just, like, have to have the world at his fingertips lose everything and then disappear and come back a different person. But I don't think they did enough with the initial, like, lover boy character. Like, I feel like there was a lot of things they could have done with him first before changing the gimmick. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, so would you like to let the listeners know how many beers you're going to get out of the fridge for this one? Uh... Yeah, you can buy the six-pack, but you'll have plenty of leftovers. Uh, two and a half beers. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I'm going to go three beers on this one. And I'm going to say, like, nothing was that offensive or, like, that bad. Just nothing, like, stands out. It was just, like, a run-of-the-mill wrestling show. The only thing on this show that stands out to me is Avery's win. Yeah. And then... Uggs wins completely overshadowed by the fact he wins. He walks off and then Psycho gets beaten down by... Oh, my God. Even though you just read the results, I completely forgot that Ugg won the title. Yes. Oh, my God. No, like, this is me just realising and remembering right now. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, from there, would you like to move on to the next show? Yeah, I think we put way too much thought into that show, like, a lot more than the esteemed mcw management did and by the way guys you are still my home promotion still love you guys just that wasn't the month for is still statriotic yeah still very statriotic <laughs> forgot about that one <laughs> so we'll go on to february 8th it's explosive pro wrestling's hot summer night from the gate one theater in perth western australia 
first match was for the EPW Coastal Championship. It's Marcus Pitt, your champion, with Amber in his corner versus Dan Moore with Jesse Lambert in his corner. Went 10-14 with Marcus Pitt winning via pinfall after an F5. Next was a singles match, Gavin McGavin versus Bruno Nitro. Went 10-02, Gavin McGavin won via submission after applying the grapevine. Uh, third match was a six-man tag team match where the losing team must exile a member. So it was Tyler Jacobs and the children, Chadwick Jackson and Junior Lee with Stella Nix in their corner versus the task force, Jack Edwards, Tyler King and Tippany. Went 15-33 with Jack Edwards of Task Force winning via pinfall on Tyler Jacobs after a famouser. And Tyler Jacobs exiles Junior Lee from the children. After that was a singles match. Michael Maloney versus Damian Slater with Amber in his corner. Went 17-24. Michael Maloney won via pinfall after a powerbomb. Next was a tag team match. Gorgeous Gary and Ryan Allen versus The Plague. Aaron Hawke and Dan Still with Jonathan Windsor in their corner. Went 9 minutes and Dan Still of The Plague won by a pinfall on Ryan Allen after a Hawke vertebraker and Dan Still punk kick. And the main event EPW Heavyweight Championship match. Mikey Nichols the champion versus Julian Ward of The Untouchables. Went 15-33. With Mikey Nichols retaining via pinfall after running Julian into pit on the apron before hitting a four-out powerbomb. Do you have any thoughts on this show, Alex? No thoughts in particular, but like, how's Mikey looking these days? Like, uh, we, we don't get enough of him in New Japan. Yeah, he was announced for the, um, the New Japan Cup again this year before everything... Uh, closed down because of COVID. So he was looking good in that match? Yeah, I'd say he was looking really good. One of the the matches of the night from EPW. And Marcus Pitt is a guy I absolutely love watching. Uh, So they're using him well over there as well. Yeah, he's the current uh, Coastal Champion. It's sort of on the same tier as, uh, if you're an MCW fan, their Inter-Commonwealth Championship. Um, so, actually, on the first match, Davis Storm was on commentary. And afterwards, Davis Storm enters the ring, says he wants another shot at Pitt. And Pitt accepts, but says it will be championship versus career next month. Yeah, that's right. I, I um, saw that all over Twitter. Um, so, for anyone that hasn't seen APW, who's the standout? person to watch and who's the the next big thing in APW to keep an eye out for so you've got like Pitt you've got uh, Gavin McGavin you've got Damien Slater you've got Mikey Nichols they're all sort of pretty big guys Julian Ward's now been uh, paired with the Untouchables so he's got Slater and Pitt with him sort of one to watch coming up I'd say he would be um, I'm also enjoying the children's stable at the moment, sort of like a um, Tyler Jacobs is like a cult leader and 
Chadwick Jackson and Stella Nix follow him around. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Um, is it uh, present presentation wise? Like, is it gothy sort of thing or what? Not overly. They're more sort of in suits, and Stella Nix sort of comes out in a like a white dress. So it's more of like a Charlie Manson sort of vibe. Yeah, sort of like um. Uh, leader of Helter Skelter, Julian James. Yeah. Yeah, sort of similar to that. Good, because I was going to say, the last thing we need is another gothy gimmick in Australian independent wrestling, so that's good. Overall, I really enjoyed this show. I know last month I had a few negatives to say about their Academy show, like the commentary was a bit hit and miss as well, so ring announcing and some of the camera work. I really enjoyed this show. I highly recommend checking out EPW from the vault on Vimeo for $9 a month. And this show especially. I gave it uh, five beers out of six pack. Excellent. Next show, also on February the 8th. So it's Impact Pro Wrestling Australia from the William Duncan State School on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia. Match number one was for the Tag Team Championship, a two-on-one handicap match. Brody Jackson representing the Impact Rangers, who were the champions, versus Jesse Love and Tim Hayden. Tim Hayden won in 10-10 via pinfall after a belt shot from Jesse Love behind the ref's back. Uh, match number two, Kiwi Thriller with Sweet Ass versus Slam and Sam went 5:34. Kiwi Thriller won via submission after applying a standing cloverleaf. Um, what's... Rhea's move she does in NXT. The Riptide. Nah, the one where she has him in the leg lock. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I couldn't remember the name, but it's very similar looking to that. Uh, Then there was a singles match. Reaper versus Dick Brutal went 647. Reaper won via countout. Next match was for the IPW Unified Championship. LFB versus RIP went... 9.38 9.38 with LFB winning after hitting a final cut by a pinfall. Following that was a, a singles match for the managerial services of Flashman. Chad Atlas versus Nick Breeze went 6.06. Uh, Chad Atlas won by a pinfall after hitting a stone edge. The co-main event was a no disqualification match. Ace versus CJ went 19.04. CJ won by a pinfall after hitting a stunner and the Main event was the IPW Heavyweight Championship. Gorn versus Brody Jackson for the championship. Went 12-19. And Brody Jackson won after hitting an F5 for the pinfall to become the new IPW Heavyweight Champion. So he lost the Tag Team Championship in the opener and won the main championship in the main event. Uh, Any thoughts there, Alex? Um... So, I'm guessing this isn't exactly a family-friendly product, this one? Uh, I'd say sort of, yeah. Or do they just, like, not care about the names of their wrestlers? Like, Sweet Ass and Dick Brutal. Well, Sweet Ass, I'm guessing you're thinking, is a lady wrestler. It's actually an older man manager. Yeah, right. Right, that... Still... Okay, so obviously I haven't seen this one. I have no knowledge of this place. 
Um, all I can say is uh, everyone has very, very indie-sounding wrestling names, like Jesse Love and Nick Breeze. It's my tag team, R.I.P., and stuff like that. Like, uh, it's very, very, like, 2005 indie scene, but was the show any good? Um, yeah, I'd say compared to some of the other stuff uh, we've watched, the commentary was actually, like, clear and um, made sense the entire time. The video work was very good. They'd show us, uh, like, a photo still before the match. They didn't play any copyrighted music while the people were making their entrance on the VOD. Um, the only negative I'd have to say is I watched these in the upload order on YouTube. So I watched the main event before I saw the opening tag match. Ah, oh, that's annoying. So it's going, he's lost the tag title, but he's claimed the world title. Yeah, that's really, that's really inconvenient. Um, so... Who who's who's the person the top the top dog in this company to keep an eye out for and who's the who's the next big thing? Well, I suppose you've got your two, you've got your unified champion La Flama Blanca or LFB as he is constantly called on commentary, and you've got the new heavyweight champion in Brody Jackson. It was sort of without being overly mean, it was sort of your tier two sort of show you could notice the um difference from say this and an epw or mcw yeah right. but in saying that there was some good matches on there i did enjoy the uh lfb versus rip for the unified championship the match between chad atlas and nick breeze for the managerial services of flashman was a fun little entertaining match. Yeah, so it's it's sort of got a mix of um veterans and indie guys from the the Queensland scene more or less um with Queensland being one of the smaller states without one of the big four companies from the Australia New Zealand in it. Yeah. Overall, I gave this three beers. Excellent. So from there we head across the ditch also February the 8th. Southern Pro Wrestling Fight for Gold. From Invercargill on the South Island of New Zealand. Uh, first match was a fight for gold briefcase match. Briefcase is similar to your money in the bank match. However, they win it in a pinfall or submission match with two men and can challenge for either the heavyweight or tag team championships when they choose. So it was Charlie Roberts versus Wanna Fight. It went 10-20 with one a fight winning via pinfall after hitting a cyber driver 98. Following that was a three-on-one handicap gauntlet match with SPW general manager Professor Palmer and detention Cutler and Ryder versus Rangi. First match, Rangi won via pinfall on Ryder after a stunner. Second match, Rangi won via pinfall after a roll-up on Cutter. And in the third fall, Rangi won by a pinfall on Professor Palmer after a Murray go round in 9-16 total. 
following that was a Southland Street fight, Marcus Cool versus Lockie Hendricks. The rules were your basic hardcore fight, anything goes, weapons and chairs are allowed. They pulled out kendo sticks, Marcus's football boots, chairs and Lockie's jacket were all used during this match. Went 12-39 with Marcus Cool winning via pinfall after a penalty kick so the men stand at one apiece this month. Uh, next was a singles match, Cool Guy Sky versus T-Rex. Uh, T-Rex won in 9.44 via pinfall after a Vader bomb fired by a powerbomb. And in the co-main event, it was for the SPW New Zealand Tag Team Championship. The Power Tools, Hammer and Willpower, your champions versus Control, Ben Wolf and Jay Barnage, went 907 with Hammer of the Power Tools winning by pinfall on Jay Carnage after a willpower top row frog splash. And lastly in the main event the for the SPW New Zealand Heavyweight Championship in a ladder match. Shane Sinclair, the champion versus Falcon Kid, went 26-20 and Shane Sinclair won after climbing the ladder and retrieving the title because Professor Palmer and Sabrina had already pinned Falcon Kid under the ladder. Um, do you have any thoughts on SPW, Alex? Uh, just a few questions. Like, what sort of crowd are they getting over that side of the ditch? Um, so this one's in like a sort of community hall type uh, setup. I'd say couple of hundred, maybe 400. What's the crowds like? Like, pretty loud? Yeah, yeah, pretty loud. Um, no barricade around the crowd. Um, sort of family-oriented. Uh, but they do cheer pretty loudly for um, the guys they like. No, that's good. And who are the ones to keep an eye out on in SPW? Shane Sinclair's current heavyweight champion and Hammer and Willpower, your current tag champions. T-Rex, who's a bigger sort of Vader-sized wrestler, has challenged Jamie Tagatagese, who's the current uh, IPW New Zealand champion. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure I've seen T-Rex before. I think he's come over a couple of times to either MCW or PWA. I can't remember which one. Yeah, and you probably would have seen him last year in the uh, Southern Rumble that MCW co-presented with SPW. So he's uh, so he's doing all right then. He's uh, worth keeping an eye out on. Yeah, and then you've got um, Cool Guy Sky, who's recently um, re-debuted. He's got this um, new sort of lover boy type of gimmick i'd say he's what uh lover boy 1.0 sort of was excellent and then of course you got marcus call over there former champion um yeah a really fun show great vod presentation all the in-ring matches were good again just the only negative i have again and it's small it was just during the tag match double teaming again with all four men in the ring for too long uh, overall, I gave this about four beers. Excellent. Um, so from there, we'll move on to February 15th. It's New Horizons Pro Wrestling Battle of Honour from Perth, Western Australia. So this one features MLW stars Filthy Tom and Loki. Uh, Loki is attacked at the start of the show 
by the future legends. Match number one was the uh, first semi-final in the Head Shrinker Samu Legacy Cup. Also for the NHPW SST Legacy Tag Team Championship. So you had the future legends, Kaniki Wheeler and Tommy Knight uh, versus Johnny Hardway. Went 4.20 with Kaniki Wheeler of the future legends, one via pinfall after a knee to the face and a Tommy Knight brainbuster. Second match was the second semi-final of the Head Shrinker Samud Legacy Cup. Society's Unwanted, Creek Murdoch and Jebediah versus Double Dragon, Junior Lee and King Shahil. Uh, went 14-21 with Jebediah of Society's Unwanted winning via pinfall on Junior Lee. After the future legends had run in and hit the belt shot behind the ref's back. Third was a singles match. Cannon Connors versus Salem Six went 5-15. Salem Six winning via pinfall after the center. Following that was another singles match. Mark Silver versus Matthew Pierce went 4-21. Mark Silver won after the Southern Cross. Then it was a NHPW Art of Fighting Championship match. Rogan Cargus, the champion versus Aaron O'Malley, went 17-46 with Rogan Cargus winning via pinfall after a knee to the back of the head. Co-main event was the Head Shrinkers Hamu Legacy Cup final match. Society's Unwanted, Jacob Creek and Murdoch versus the Future Legends, Kaniki Wheeler and Tommy Knight. Uh, went 12-23, Jebediah of Society's Unwanted one via pinfall on Kaniki Wheeler after an Emerald Flosion. And in the main event, Lowkey versus Filthy Tom Lawler went 12.45 and Lowkey won via pinfall after a top rope double stomp. Do you have any thoughts on New Horizons, Alex? Uh, one of my biggest issues with bringing in international talent into Australian wrestling is when they do international versus international and where does that leave your company the next month? Now, I obviously didn't watch this show, but how do you feel like where it leaves the company after this? Like, did bring in low-key and filthy Tom uh, leave NHPW in a better position moving forward? Or did they just, you know, bump up attendance for one show? I don't know. It's hard to say. But they have had low-key there in the past. Mm-hmm. I've actually did go on to a cage match and check that out. And he has been there a few times. So he does seem to keep coming back. And having him winning to keep coming back does seem to be the right result there. If they're going to maybe build him up for an Aussie guy, then I could see that um i don't know i sort of had mixed perspectives on that one yeah yeah well and like i said uh i i don't i don't know anything really when it comes to this particular promotion and i will definitely catch up on a fair bit of this stuff because a lot of this stuff actually really interests me um one of my favorite wrestlers on the scene at the moment tommy knight's involved so 
Yeah. Um, who's who stood out? Which Aussie stood out for you? So we'll just leave Loki and Filthy Tom out of this. I will just say they did have a good match. Um, but moving away from them... Um, well, we're not going to say, oh, yeah, that young up-and-comer Loki. Oh, he's, he's got a lot of potential, that kid. The um the two tag teams in the Samu Legacy Cup final, uh, Society's Unwanted, Creek and Jebediah and Future Legends, Wheeler and Tommy Knight, I thought were... Uh, really good as a tag team. You've got uh, Mark Silver in here, who seems to be doing pretty good there. That's Kometi's son, right? Yeah, so he is um, Dennis Kometi's son, famous uh, Australian rules football commentator. What's he like in ring? I haven't really seen any of his matches. I've seen him live. I suppose if you've never seen him before, the Best international comparison I could probably say is... Say it. Uh, sort of like a Ryback. Yeah. He's like exactly Ryback. Oi, what's his um, nickname? The Outback Silverback. Ryback, like, they got the name. His name's Ryan. And he's his, his big like a Silverback. Gorilla. That's how they came up with Ryback. So, so yes, he... He definitely appears to be a Ryback type. Um, so I will just say some of the positives. Um, I felt mostly in ring was pretty good. Uh, the pr- overall presentation, like from a VOD watching standpoint, was good as well as the commentary was clear and uh, could be listened to easily. They're also a certified Culture City partner, which to my knowledge is the only wrestling promotion in Australia that I know of. Um, So uh, AEW in the US is also partnered with them, as well as the St Kilda Football Club based out of Melbourne. Yeah, so they do a lot for for families with uh, children of um, special needs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The only negative I'd have to say is if you go on their... Um, VOD website Perth Wrestling on Vimeo this event isn't actually listed on their main page and we actually got sent the direct link via our uh, Twitter overall I really enjoyed this I'd have to say free beers awesome we go on to February 15th it's Pro Wrestling Australia's Black Label Rick South for the Boys from the Max Watts in Sydney New South Wales uh, this took place over Sydney Mardi Gras weekend, one of the biggest LGBTIQ pride parade and festivals in Oceania. How do you feel about them sort of incorporating? Yeah, I love that, honestly. Um, and, geez, everything sort of fell in line for them for this one. They got the perfect guy for the job, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I thought I'd bring that up the off the top because as we get into our first match uh it becomes a theme throughout the night so we have mikey broderick versus carter deems versus tree hugger lucci versus silvio milano in a four-way match now silvio comes out not only to one special entrance he gets two special entrances so this goes 748 with mikey broderick winning via pinfall on silvio after a spear and fadeaway slam uh, second match was a singles match where Moretti announced in a video earlier that he would choose Matty's opponent. 
So as Maddie's weighing in the ring, Moretti announces he's facing Madison Eagle. This goes 7 minutes 50 seconds with Madison Eagles winning via submission after applying the STF. Third match was a tag team match. Jack Bonzer and Kingsley versus the Prefects. Jimmy Townsend and Billy Preston now known as William Preston. When 11.55 with Kingsley getting the pinfall win after they hit the double team code Red Nation. Following that was another singles match, Adam Hoffman versus Sam Osborne. Went 12-24 with Sam Osborne winning via submission after applying a leg lock. We then got on to the Annie and All Gauntlet match where if Rick South wins, he'll receive a PWA Heavyweight Championship match in March. So Ricky South comes out first with a special entrance which the commentators dubbed the Ricky-verse entrance. Challenger number one is Matt Diamond. Ricky South wins and advances after after hitting the pole driver with a pinfall victory. Next out is Belle Pierce, but she starts to talk before she's interrupted by Headhunter Rig, and Headhunter Rig takes Belle's spot to become challenger number two. Ricky South defeats him via pinfall, after catching the greatest Campbell ever into a pile driver. Challenger number three was Caveman Ugg, the PWA heavyweight champion. Ugg walks straight into a pile driver but kicks out at one early. The men blow around the outside with Ricky South winning via count out in a total time of 21-13. Following that was a singles match. Michael Spencer with Kyle Drake in his corner versus Paris De Silva with Jude London in his corner. Went 15-16. Paris De Silva won via pinfall after a roll-up. Referee Jess hands the titles back to Paris De Silva as MK Ultra stole them last month. But Michael low blows Paris and steals them back again. In the co-main event, it's a tag team match. AJ and Reese Angel versus Black Shirt Cool Group. Concrete Davison and Shazza McKenzie went 749. Uh, Reese Angel won by a pinfall on Shazza McKenzie after a face buster. And in the main event for the PWWA Championship, it was a steel cage match. Jessica Troy, the champion, versus Steph Delander. Went 20 minutes 22. Uh, Jessica Troy won via submission after turning the arm lock into a total limb lock. Do you have any thoughts on PWAs? Alright, I have a lot of thoughts. The prefects? Oh. Mwah. Bellissimo. Fantastic. Just the whole William Preston thing. Oh, it's just perfect. Um, Bonzer and Kingsley is really fun together. You know, the big, tough, serious guy, the the spoiled brat hanging out with him. Oh, it's just perfect. Uncle Jack at Kingsley. At one point, Jimmy's in the ring demanding that he wants Kingsley to be tagged in, and Bonza's telling him, you don't tell me what to do. Then Kingsley gets up on the rope and asks to be tagged in, so he just walks over and tags up. Just Jack Bonza just being this big, tough dude, but he, like, he gives in to Kingsley. <laughs> he lets her walk all over him. It's just fantastic. Um, uh, so, the gauntlet match. So I actually watched 
a little bit of this with my girlfriend Eliza, who has absolutely no idea about anyone on this card, but she did see Rick South come out and do that entrance, and she was just blown away. Like, yeah, she just loved it, and rightfully so. Rick South, jeez, there's not enough titles in the world to put on that, man. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great entrance. I sort of uh, skipped past Silvio's uh, entrance before where he had the two women in the ring with him and one's like blowing up a balloon and then she like uh, sort of sword swallows the balloon. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole presentation of this show was fantastic. I loved it. Just such a wonderful presentation. That gauntlet match though. Oh, loved every second of it. Honestly, did not think for one second Caveman Ugg was going to be on this card. Yeah, that came as a bit of a shock, I guess. And then any thoughts really on the the main event, the cage match? That was one of the best matches I've ever seen, like in terms of Australian wrestling. Like, it was just perfect. Honestly, the psychology involved in that match was absolutely incredible. The way Jessica Troy worked on the arm, insanely good. Um, honestly, like, oh my god, Jessica Troy is just on a whole nother level at the moment. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree there. It's um, the commentaries were saying it was the first time a women's championship has main evented in Australia in a cage match. Yeah, it'd have to be, sure. And without going through, uh, like, the actual cage match site records and delving deep into stuff, I can't remember a time when um, I've seen a women's cage match headline even without a championship. I can't remember a time, really, when I've seen a women's match, in a uh, women's cage match now, to come to think of it on one of the big four promotions. Well, in Australia, definitely very... Yeah, I can't think of another one. Um, You can barely even come up with more than a handful across the world, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, probably. Did you see the post-credits video? Yeah, it was pretty interesting with uh, Belle Pierce there. Yeah, so she's, she's still asking for help, saying she's not really getting any respect and she's reached her breaking point because as she did come out to challenge Ricky South, she's saying she's here to sort of make a name for herself and then Headhunter Rig comes out and basically tells her to get lost, but not so nicely. Quickly, before you continue, Headhunter Rig just, like, all of a sudden just turned into, like, a... A thick beast. Like, I reckon he's put on, like, 20 kilos of just pure mass and, like, strength. Just, he looked huge on this show. And, yeah, he, yeah, there's there's a bit of star power just looking at Headhunter Rig. But back to Belle Pierce. What are your thoughts going here? Do you think she's going to join the Dark Order? (laughs) (laughs) 
like, I was thinking about this, like, without reading anything. Um, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's Madison Eagle she's reaching out to, but Madison's came back to help um, Moretti in this event. So it's not that, and I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who else it possibly could be. And maybe I'm thinking too narrow here, and maybe it's not a woman's competitor, and maybe it... Maybe it's someone from the Academy. It could be that too, or someone from Newcastle. Um, but yeah, without reading into anything at this point in time, I've got uh, no clue who, who she's reaching out to. Uh, what did you think of Madison Eagles versus Matty Wahlberg? Yeah, we sort of glossed over it with this being such a good card. Um, I really enjoyed it. And Wahlberg coming out in a um, Kobe Bryant Lakers top, and as he's making his entrance to the ring, he gets jumped by Bonser and Hoffman in a stairwell. And, um, like, yeah, even... So, so here's a little... Uh, here's a little admission from me. Uh, guilty... Guilty is charged on this one. I have a playlist on Spotify that I listen to, like that I compiled over months where I listen so I can have music to listen to on my dog walks that I do every day. Uh, Matty Wahlberg's theme song is definitely on that playlist. (laughs) And I listen to that song quite a lot. And that song does reference like having the moves like Kobe and all that sort of stuff. So then seeing him come out to that song with the Kobe shirt at that at that time, even though it feels like years ago now, man, that really got me. That was only February, wasn't it? Yeah, and like there's just been so much that's happened in the world since the whole Kobe thing. Jeez. But I really enjoyed uh for a, what did you say? Eight minute, seven and a half minute match? Yeah, really good. Yeah, and the crowd just, like, I don't know who they were thinking Moretti had chosen once they saw that video, but they weren't expecting Madison and they, like, went insane. Yeah, and I think that's what really helped, like, my feelings on the match, too. Um, so to sum up PWA, uh, I'm going to give my highest ever rating so far in the short existence of my rating system. I'm going to have to give it... Oh, I'm going to have to give it five and a half beers. Oh, wow. Yeah. the Like, uh, there's honestly nothing on the card I would check. Yeah, and that's sort of where I was stuck looking at it going... Is there anything on here, if I changed it, would make it better? And, like, everything has a purpose. Like, you got you come down, like, after a big epic match, you got a bit of a ha-ha and a come down and all that sort of good stuff just to pick you back up again. It's, like, really well-structured, that show, too. Yeah, so I completely agree. I went five beers as well. Also, I love the PDF. Because I've watched it live. So I love... You lucky bastard. <laughs> uh, I'm not an utter fool that works in the hospitality industry, so I get to 
sit at home on weekends. <laughs> what are these weekends you speak of? <laughs> but I, I love that PW, PWA's the... Are they the only promotion that actually streams live? Well, it's uh, them and Nui Pro through OVO Play. Yeah, which I sort of consider lumped into the same thing because you pay for one, you get the other. Yeah, and then it's Frankie Wrestling Australia and Wrestling Go through the uh, Sports Flicks global package that we talked about some of their shows in February, uh, in January, sorry. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed like getting to watch Aussie Wrestling live. At the in the comfort of my own home, it was fantastic. Um, such a great show. Uh, I can't say enough about Rick South. Like the dude's got it. He's got it all. Like, like, and he's got such an outrageous, colourful gimmick. But that bell rings and that switch flicks, and that's the thing. Like. He's out there to win. He's out there to fight, and you believe the fight with him. Oh, absolutely. Um, so without repeating ourselves to the point of nausea, would you like to move on to the next event? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll quickly, I'll just also give a little bit more love to that main event. That was fantastic by those two girls. Well, on that point, because I, I don't think I brought it up before, has your front runner for match of the year changed now? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the front runner for match of the year. No, <laughs> I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna tiptoe around it. Uh, by a decent length, match of the year is decided so far. I'd have to agree with you there as well. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't take too much effort from our listeners to realise that what we're talking about here. And um, the, the cage match was a good match. Yeah. It was a very good match. And it is definitely taken away the award. I'd have to agree. Um, so we'll go through to the 21st of February. It's... Impact Pro Wrestling New Zealand, uh, episode number 10 on fight from Auckland on the North Island of New Zealand. These matches were actually taped at IPW Clash of Kiramu on the 18th of January 2020. The first match was a best of five series, match number one, singles match. Charlie Roberts versus Ringo Ryan with Dino McCracken in his corner. So the way the best of five works in IPW is the winner of each match will choose the stipulation for the next match. It went 10-54, Charlie Roberts won by pinfall after a Valkyrie's flight, which is a diving elbow. So leading the series, backstage he names his next stipulation for match number two, which will be an over-the-top rope challenge. Match number two was a IPW New Zealand Heavyweight Championship number one contendership 15-man battle royal match. Went 7-20 with Ruben De Jong last eliminating Jacob Cross and in the main event tag team match Jamie Tagatadese and Liger 
versus Control. Jake Sherman and Horace with Amber Saint in their corner. Went 12.06 with Jamie winning via pinfall after Liger threw Horace to Jamie who hit the Warhammer. Uh, any thoughts there, Alex? Uh, so just tell me, uh, who are the ones to keep an eye out from this one? Um, so Jamie Tiger to guess I'm just going to say Jamie. I apologise because I think I've butchered that name about five times on the show. Um, who's the IPW New Zealand heavyweight champion at this stage? Um, he's been undefeated for 721 days. Ruben Dijon, uh, sort of a taller man, sort of uh, like a Kane sort of guy. Uh, he won the Battle Royal, so he's now number one contender. Other than that, there wasn't really too much on this show, just with the three matches. Um, and a Battle Royal being one of them, there was sort of only one guy who came away from that looking good. Positives I had was the commentary and the presentation were pretty good and it sort of shows why they're on fight. Um, I like the new twist on a Best of Five series where I don't think we've seen something like that before very often. Um, and... After each match, there were backstage comments, which I thought a nice touch. Just a couple of negatives. The only man to have a named graphic in the Battle Royal sort of foretold who was going to win the Battle Royal. And it was sort of strange seeing another wrestler named Liger, whose attire resembles Tiger Mask in a way. Oh man, that that's a silly name to take as a wrestler, to be honest. That'd be like, Signing up and being like, oh, uh, I want to be called Hulk Bogan. <laughs> you know that was probably done in the 90s. <laughs> Dude, I remember watching, like, to show how far Australian independent wrestling's come. I remember seeing, like, a magazine once, and there was a Australian independent wrestler called The Captain on there. And The Captain was a cricket captain <laughs> whose finisher was like he did the bowling run-up into a clothesline. Like a cricket bowler's run-up, like even rubbing an imaginary ball on his cricket whites that he wore as a wrestler. So definitely during that period, there was probably a Hulk Bogan just like, Red and yellow footy shorts. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so IPW is available on Fight for Free. So their pay-per-view level type events are a bit extra on Fight. I think most are around 10 or $15 New Zealand. Overall, I gave this three beers. So from there, we'll move on to the 22nd of February. Pro Wrestling Darwin's Killer Instinct from... The Brown Smart Theatre in Darwin, the Northern Territory. Um, so this features the Super Triad series, which is basically like a round a free wrestler round robin series in one night. So we go on to the first Super Triad series number three match. It's Sid Parker and Caveman Ugg. Went 10.05 with Caveman Ugg winning via pinfall after a crucifix powerbomb, and Ugg leads the series 1-0. Second was a tag team match, Lucky Phoenix and Nico Zippo versus Mass Extinction. 
Reaper and Raf point 1601 Raf of Mass Extinction one by pin four on Lucky Phoenix after a double team swinging neck breaker sidewalk into a sidewalk slam combo. Match number three was a two on one handicap match. Madness versus the Star Brothers, Barry and Harry. Went 801. Madness won by pinfall on both Barry and Harry after a double on Maiden. Then it was match number two in the Super Triad series Sid Parker versus Eric Reed. Went 10 minutes 46 seconds. Sid Parker won by pinfall after a kiss into a roll up. So. Sid Parker has tied the series with Caveman Ugg at one win apiece. A wrestler must get two wins to claim the series. Next was a Darwin Street fight. It was Leo Pratt versus Gingero. Uh, some of the weapons included chairs, kendo sticks, trash can, ladder, and table. It went 13-22. Gingero won by a pinfall after a powerbomb onto a ladder bridge across chairs in the ring. The next match was the main event, the Super Triad Series number three, match number three. Erica Reed versus Caveman Ugg. If Ugg wins, he'll claim the series, but if Erica wins, she'll take it to a triple threat tiebreaker. It went 8.03, and Erica Reed won by disqualification after Ugg was seen with a chair in his hand because Sid Parker had tossed it to him. So Erica ties the series and each wrestler has one win apiece taking it to a triple threat tiebreaker match. So it's Sid Parker versus Erica Reed versus Caveman Ugg. First wrestler to score pinfall submission claims the series. It goes 5.32 and Erica Reed wins via pinfall on Sid Parker after, after she hits Sid with the miss in the face and a small package cover. Uh, she claims the third Super Triad Series 2-1 and will join Davis, Storm and Damian Slater at the next Pro Wrestling Darwin show where they will fight in a Super Triad Series to become the, the first Pro Wrestling Darwin champion. Uh, any thoughts on Pro Wrestling Darwin, Alex? That actually sounds really good. Um, I'm shocked. Because I haven't heard much about that promotion. And mind you, it is a, by the sounds of things, a card that's heavily revolving around interstate talent. Um, yeah, so they've they've only just started up last year along with a um, pro wrestling Darwin dojo. Yeah, but this was their third show they'd run. Good on them. Like, it sounds, it's something I actually feel like going out and seeking out. Um, yeah, I know you told me off air, unfortunately, with work, this was one that you couldn't squeeze time for. I'm a I'm a big fan of Sid Parker um, and a big fan of Erica Reid. We, we haven't had much of a chance to talk about him on the podcast yet, but um, the, the combination of those two and also Caveman Ugg, when they were running roughshod on MCW, oh. Loved that. And those three just going back and forth in matches, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, so the, 
This is the third time they've done a Super Tried series. The first one, as I've mentioned before, was one by Davis Storm and the second one by uh, Damian Slater. But this is the first time that it's gone to a um, tiebreaker triple threat match to decide a winner. So halfway through the show, um, Brad West, the pro wrestling Darwin promoter, came to the ring and said that on the next show, the Super Tried series will be for the championship so I'll have the past two winners and um, the winner tonight, Erica Reid. Oh, I love that. I actually really enjoy the logic behind all that too. So, And I know you're a big fan of uh, NWA Power and this arena they're in is very NWA Power-esque in its uh, look. Don't worry, you've already sold me. I am going to go back and watch it. I might, I might even do a bit of a tweet along. So the um, two... Uh, dojo graduates Lockie Phoenix and Nico Zippo they've wrestled before on the other two shows and last month they had a singles match and they decided to team up this month against Mass Extinction. Not having a really good match until one point where Phoenix goes to tag Zippo but he drops off the A frame and walks away so it's now two on one so it looks like they're going to go back to a um, a singles match between the two some point in the future as well yeah. That actually sounds, yeah. This Darwin thing, you've—it's probably the one I haven't seen that I'm the most intrigued in checking out. Yeah, and then also the um, mass extinction, the sort of big hill faction. Uh, in the um, after the street fight was finished, they came in and attacked Jinjero to reveal their two new followers, Drudge and Mats. So now they're a uh, stable of four. Big gothy? Um, no, I'd say more biker. Good. Honestly, now that I think about it, we haven't had that many gothy boys or girls this month so far. No, it's sort of a big thing in the early 2000s if you go back to watch any of the archive footage. Oh, spoiler alert. Riot City Wrestling. So overall, I thought this was a really good show. Um... The only small negative I had was just some of the camera angles and the timing of their replay. You'd miss something else going on in the ring. Just a small nitpick, I know, but um, other than that, I thought it was really great. I gave it four beers. Excellent. Let's keep this thing moving. So we go on to the 22nd as well. It's uh, Newcastle Pro Wrestling's Nui Pro number 86 from... Newcastle, New South Wales, which sees the uh, semi-finals and finals of the Invictus tournament where Lucha Tag rules are in place for the night. So the first semi-final is the Coastborne Killers, that's Ben Braxton, Kellyanne and Tyson Reed, versus the QTs, Massive Q, Parker, Thomas and Tali, went 7.56 and Kellyanne won by pinfall on Tali after a double-assisted cannonball. Match number two in the Invictus Tournament semi-finals was the Black Shirt Cool Group, Jax Jordan, Ricky South, and Chaz McKenzie versus the Big Rigs, Dazza, Headhunter Rig, and Steph Delander. Went 8.58, and Headhunter Rig won via pinfall on Ricky South after a best cannonball ever and had Hunter Rink also had his nose broken from Ricky South in that match. 
following that was a singles match. Adam Hoffman versus Trey Hagalucci went 7.25. Lucci won via pinfall after a low blow behind the ref's back and a roll-up. Next was a tag team match. Big Fudge and Shane Sheffield Sinclair versus the Babe Ashton Monroe and Matty Wahlberg. Went 11.51 with Matty Wahlberg winning via pinfall on Big Fudge after a cutter, I believe, it was identified as. Next was Jack Bonzer with Kingsley in his corner versus Jackson Kelly with Sam Osborne in his corner. Went 12.08. Jack Bonzer won via pinfall after exchanging pinning attempts. There was then a non-title uh, singles match with Nui Pro middleweight champion Matt Diamond versus Will Kiedis of North Shore Wrestling with Jackson Kelly and Sam Osborne in his corner. Went 9-14. Will Kiedis won by a pinfall after running Matty Diamond into an exposed turnbuckle and pinning him with his feet being held on the rope by Sam. The co-main event was a singles match. Jessica Troy versus Lena Cross went 9.53, Jessica Troy won via submission after applying the armbar. And in the main event, the Invictus Tournament 2020 Finals, the Big Rigs, Daza, Headhunter, Rig, and Steph Delando versus the Coastborn Killers, Ben Braxton, Kellyanne, and Tyson Reed went 17.09 with Headhunter, Rig, winning via pinfall after a best cannonball ever on Kellyanne. Uh, in the post-match, the champions of each division present the Invictus gauntlets to the respective winners in each division. Now, the Invictus gauntlets are like a uh, money-in-the-bank type gimmick, and Steph Delander immediately throws her gauntlet down to challenge Bell Pierce. So it's an impromptu main event for the Nui Pro Women's Championship. Bell Pierce, the champion, versus Steph Delander. Bell runs right into a Steph to land a big boot for a two count, and then a death adder, and Steph wins via pinfall in about 30 seconds. Any thoughts on Nui Pro there, Alex? Uh, yeah. Um, so, I just want to give a little bit of love to Will Kiedis, because he his surname is the same as my dog's name, so... He gets instant love and becomes one of my boys. And um, I um, I I can't believe like the month that. Take your pick, Jessica Troy or Ricky South. Like they're just they're just killing it at the moment. Yeah, I'd have to agree. What did you think of the Invictus tournament as a whole? As a um a way to sort of have a money in the bank for three different challenges at once? Uh, very different. Um, because it's different, I instantly like it. Like, like uh, I am a big fan of it. Um, also sort of a wait and see for me as well. I think it helps that there was a cash-in straight away for someone like a new viewer who was giving this try it sort of goes oh okay that's how it works yeah um it's i, I love the whole like it, it gave all the matches meaning on the show really so i love that yeah absolutely and also on this show they mentioned like that um 
Kellyanne had just recently signed at this time to um, Ring of Honor. Yeah, the snake-bitten Australian wrestling invasion of Ring of Honor. Yeah, just just completely, like, tough luck. But, but we're getting there. I think it's almost time it'll happen. Now, I know you've asked me a couple of times who were ones to watch. Maybe I'll uh, put the shoe on the other foot, so to speak. And for someone new to Nui Pro, who would you say are? Uh, Carter Deems. <laughs> like, like the, he's just miniature Wahlberg, right? Like, oh, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Um, I get he was on commentary tonight. He did present one of the gauntlets, but I was more referring to someone who did have a match tonight. Will Keaters, same name as my dog. Yeah, so... I've mentioned him a few times. Um, Headhunter Riggs, like, there's a lot of potential there with him. I, I wouldn't even say potential. I think there's a lot of talent there. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I sort of won when we did our last show and you said you want to see more of him in PWA. I was sort of on the fence about and then along comes this and he certainly delivered in... Yeah, and, like, even the little bit that he had a part of in that Ricky South Invitational and everything, like, like he makes the most of what he gets, and he's got a look, and I think there is a lot of potential to be had there with Headhunter Rig. Um, not necessarily the biggest fan of the name, <laughs> like doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, but but who am I? I'm just a fan. <laughs> yeah, you, does it really matter all that much anymore when you've got someone like Orange Cassidy on national TV in the States? Yeah, but if Orange Cassidy was called just like, like Steve Savage or something ridiculous, like, like that wouldn't work. But the fact that his name is so bad, it works. There was a nice spot in the... Main, uh, the final of the Invictus that I enjoyed. Kellyanne and Headhunter Riga both standing in the ring. They look at each other and then go and do double cannonballs to their opponents in opposite corners. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, so I really enjoy the Invictus tournament concept. Um, they said it had been six years they've been doing this on the um, commentary. I don't really have all that much negative to say about this show. Um, I went four beers. Excellent. I'll, I'll give it... I was leading three and a half, but I'm going to have to agree four. No worries. Um, so from there, we'll go on to the 29th of February. Australian Wrestling Leagues enter phase one from Brisbane in Queensland. Uh, first match was Sorrow versus Bobby Bishop. Went 8-24, Sorrow won by pinfall after a corner top rope draping DDT. Second was a six-pack scramble match. Blair Seeker versus Outback Adam with Combat Wombat and Steve versus Lucille Brawl versus The Cockroach with Skinny D versus Jack Tar versus Young Chad. Went 6-31, and Outback Adam won by pinfall on Jack Tar after a top rope frog splash. 
Uh, commentary also mentioned that Outback Adam has never been pinned or submitted in a AWL ring or its predecessors, PWL, AWA. Third match on the card was the AWL Tag Team Championship match. Gen Next, Cedric Brave and Mitch Ryder with Todd Eastman in their corner as the champions versus Jason Hyde and LJ Gold. Went 11.45 with Mitch Ryder of Gen Next winning via pinfall on Jason Hyde after a Gen Next double team. Match number four was EC Diamond versus Jake Nova with Todd Eastman in his corner and Tim Cade. But before the match, AWL manager Todd Eastman announces that it will also be for EC Diamond's Homecoming Cup. So it's now a freeway for the Homecoming Cup and it went... 1534 EC Diamond 1-5 pinfall on Tim Cade after super kicking a springboarding Tim. Following that was the AWL Openweight Championship match. Xander Sullivan, the champion versus CJ of the Daniels Republic. Went 1443, Xander Sullivan 1-5 pinfall after the Warhead headbutt. Next was a 4-on-2 handicap match. Strong 94 Lynx Lewis Jr. and Renegade versus the Daniels Republic, Dragon, James Jager, Jesse Daniels, and Roberto Pacino. Um, this one I don't have a time for because the ref didn't ring the bell to start the match. Renegade of Strong 94 won by pinfall on Jesse Daniels after a burning hammer. The main event was the AWL Heavyweight Championship match in a Hardcore Rules match as Riff Riley had come out earlier in the night and demanded a hardcore match, and Mitch agreed. Some of the items include trash cans, street signs, steel chains, steel chairs, waxing strips, food trays, baking trays, and a ladder. It went 11.51, with Mitch McCarthy winning via pinfall after a package pile driver onto a pile of weapons. As Mitch is celebrating EC Diamond's music plays, and he's cashing in his homecoming cup for a championship match, which is also another money-in-the-bank type item. So it's an impromptu main event for the AWL Heavyweight Championship. Mitch McCarthy, your champion, who's just gone for a 12-minute hardcore match versus EC Diamond. EC Diamond hits a super kick and wins in 13 seconds and celebrates. Any thoughts on AWL, Alex? I didn't get to see this one, but is that Todd Eastman from um, Wrestle Radio Australia? The very same, yes. Yeah, okay. How is he as a manager? Yeah, I quite enjoy him. He's sort of a, a heel manager, it seems, to the crowd. Oh, very good. Um, so now, after all these shows, we've gotten to this point. Uh, we've still got... A couple more to go, but are you sick of the money in the bank gimmick yet? Um, ha- has it sort of just become an easy out for promotion? I suppose because we're talking about all these in a um, conduced manner as one month worth of shows. If you're only a fan who might follow the Queensland scene, that's your money in the bank and you don't really follow any of the other promotions. And... Uh... Wasn't there one in New Zealand, wasn't there, that you mentioned earlier too? It was either New Zealand or somewhere else. Yeah, so... Yeah, so um, 
Yeah, it just it just kind of sounds funny when it's all sort of happening all at the in the one month. But it's like when they all have rumbles later on in the year, and you see like three or four promotions all having a a rumble. I I don't know. I think the money in the bank gimmick can be an easy way out for promoters, which is also helpful slasher hindrance at times. Like it can cause a promoter to be a little bit lazier with their booking, but the gimmick works. Like there wouldn't be all these companies like using the gimmick if it didn't work. So I'm not going to argue them for using a proven commodity. Yeah, and we saw two varying degrees. We saw on Nui Pro, Steph Delander cash in within seconds of winning it. And then on uh, this show, we saw EC Diamond cash in after about eight months of holding it. So overall, I thought it was a really good show. I highly recommend the Homecoming Cup freeway match. This is all free on um, YouTube. Also crowning a new... AWL champion when the company's heading into a new era with the merger of AWA and PWL into AWL. Also, the second female referee we saw this month was on this show, Ref Beck, along with Ref Jess in PWA earlier. Some of the negatives. The four-on-two match where the commentary said Ref Patrick never has control followed by Ref Patrick forgetting to ring the bell to start the match. And then the awkward ending to the Open Weight Championship match where Ref Beck was counting. She counts one, she counts two, and then she stops to check the shoulders and someone tells her to ring the bell. Um, Overall, I was really excited to see where the company was heading in the future and since the pandemic, they haven't ran at all. I thought the positives outweighed the negatives, and I gave this four beers. Excellent. So we can move on to the Pro Wrestling Australia Academy Showcase number three, The House is Light, from February 29th or so. So I thought I saw this, but after discussions with you before the show, I realised this isn't the thing I saw. Yes, you saw the uh, next month's show. I've got a show to talk about next month. Uh, this features PWA's academy students, which are referred to as Green Dingoes, sort of like how New Japan has young lines. Uh, first match was a singles match, Matty Wahlberg versus Nathan Pigeon, who's a Green Dingo. Uh, went 8.36, Wahlberg won after a posteriser, where he sort of does a curve stomp, but he gets a lot of air onto the opponent's neck. Uh, next was a four-way match. Will Kiedis versus Zena versus Donnie Mako versus Aaron Jake. Went 11.52. Zena won by pinfall on Donnie Mako after a wrist clutch DVD. Following that was a singles match. Backman versus Bon Appetit. This went about five minutes. Backman won by pinfall after a German Following that was another singles match. It was Shazza McKenzie against Sherry Stevens, who's a student at the same high school as the Prefects. So this went 7.40. Shazza McKenzie won via submission after applying the Shaz mission. 
Next was a tag team match. MK plus Ultra, Kai Drake and Michael Spencer versus the Green Dingoes team of Joseph Farah and Marshall Luke. Uh, went 9.45, Kai Drake won by a pinfall on Marshall after a Spencer pedigree and a knee kick combo to the head. Following that was a singles match in the co-main event, Sam Osborne versus David Steamer, who's also a green dingo, went 6.27. Sam Osborne won by submission after applying a knee bar. And in the main event, a six-person tag team match. The Nations, Jack Bonza, Jessica Troy and Kingsley versus The Velocities, Jude London, Paris De Silva and replacing Bell Pierce was Robbie Eagles. This went about 22 minutes with Robbie Eagles winning by pinfall after countering Jessica Troy's armbar. Uh, and in the post-match, Robbie's standing tall in the ring saying that he wants a shot at Jessica's PWWA championship. Um, do you have any quick thoughts on this one, Alex? Uh, Robbie versus Jessica in my veins, please. Um, so, so I'm looking at, for the listeners that aren't aware, Hoggy has some notes. So... He's putting notes for this Backman versus Bonner Appetit match, a match full of cook puns. Do you care? Do you care to get into that a little bit more? Because you may have just with that one short little sentence have sold me to go back and watch this. Oh, they're saying stuff like he's bitten off more than he can chew. Yeah. Was this the commentators? Is it? Yeah. All right. All right, it would have been better if it was the wrestlers, like, doing puns. But I think it was one of the regular guys along with Ricky South. It's on commentary, and Ricky South's the one who's sort of leading all the puns here. And you want to tell me about Cherry Stevens's gimmick? Yeah, so she's a student who goes to the same high school as the um, prefects. Is she, like, dressed up like them and all that? So she's in the red shirt and the... Black short, she's got the school backpack with the books in it and the school hat. Now, I can't... Is it Jimmy that's uh, still in high school, but the other one's... Yeah, so Jimmy's still in high school and Billy's now in uni and calling calling himself William. So what happens if, uh, because Billy's moved on to uni, Jimmy gets a girlfriend? Yeah. That's what I would book. You never know. That's what I want. Also, I thought it was a nice touch, even though it's like an Academy show. MK Ultra still come out with their stolen PWA tag team titles from the last event at um, Black Label. So it's sort of tying everything together. It's going, oh, okay, I see. If I'm watching this, I need to go back and watch that and see why they're not the champions, but they have the championship belt. Yeah, I actually uh, really lo- love the idea of Academy shows. Um, I wish MCW was in the position to start doing the same sort of thing with their Academy. I don't know what they're like for numbers or whatever, but I'm sure they could figure out a way to even just do their own thing at the Academy like PWA does. So Yeah. I, I think... MCW definitely has enough guys that they could do it with. I don't see why not, unless it's Spence thing. But 
if you're running it out of your own academy, it shouldn't really cost a thing, should it? God, no, it all depends on financials, I guess. And then in the main event, as Kingsley's entering, they're like, the ring announcer was saying that she's representing the nations, and then they're saying the Red Nation, Kingsley and Bonza. So is she officially part of the nations now? I was under the impression she was at the Rick South for the Boys show. Yeah. Yeah, like because of the relationship with her and Bonza, that she'd gone from, what was it, flag bearer to just full-on member. Yeah, yeah, now that she is wrestling a lot more on the Black Label shows as well. Yeah, um, Bonza and Kingsley, is I don't know how they even... Like, even thought of putting those two together, but it's just a really good fit. I really enjoy the dynamics. Like, yeah, it's um very, like, ah, uh, in a different way. It's like, it's your rock and sock connection. It's your team, hell no. It's just like, how do they work together? But they do. Kane and X-Pac? Actually, I was having a discussion the other day with someone about how it's honestly one of the most underrated tag teams of all time. Like, no one even thinks of them anymore. Kane and X-Pac. Really good stuff. Anywho, uh, that makes... uh, So does that make Kingsley X-Pac? No comment. (laughs) Okay, then. Kingsley's Kane. Yeah. Kainsley. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I thought all the um, Green Dingoes had a good showing here. They all got a fair bit of time. Well, except for Blackman and Bon, Appet- bon Appetit, who got about five minutes, and it was mostly comedy, but they still got to show off that. I thought they all did really well for an Academy show for most of these people who, if you are just watching Black Label, you haven't seen before. Overall, I gave it three beers. Yeah, um, to be honest, you've sold me on it. Uh, I've seen um, clips of the main event, just from, like, Aussie wrestling gifts and all that sort of stuff around that time. But, yeah, you've sold me on that one too. Uh, and then we go on to our final event, also from February 29th. It's Wright City Wrestling's A Glutton for Punishment from the Peacock Tent at Adelaide Fringe Festival in Adelaide, South Australia. Uh, match number one is a RCW Tag Team Championship match. The Kings of Ruin, so that's Mike Boomer and Zach Sabbath's name now, versus World Class Egos, who are your champions, Chris Basso and Matt Hayter. Went 10 3 with Chris Basso of World Class Egos pinning Zach Sabbath after a package pile driver. Next was a tag team match Savannah Summers and Tony Toro versus Dean Brady and Izzy Shaw. Um, so this is uh, one man and one woman on each team, building up to Tony Toro's uh, intergender match at the next event for the women's championship uh this went 729 with dean brady winning via submission on tony toro after applying a crossface. next was the king of the fringe 10-man rumble 
traditional rumble rules applied with a new entrant every minute. First in was Lil Onyx, second in was Carlos Diaz who quickly eliminates Lil Onyx, third in was Caden Cornell, four was the Antivirus, five was Jessen Hunt who quickly eliminated Caden Cornell and Carlos Diaz with help from the Antivirus, six was Havoc with his manager Benjamin Reffenhol at ringside. Fourth eliminated was the Antivirus by Havoc. Seventh in was Down Under. Eighth was Brandon Black. Ninth was James Cray, who quickly went on to eliminate Jesson Hunt with help from Havoc, Down Under, and Brandon Black. Tenth was Jonathan Corviday, the final man in, who quickly eliminates Brandon Black with help from Down Under, then eliminates James Cray, then eliminates Down Under. So the final two is Jonathan Corviday and Havoc. Corviday tosses Havoc over the top thinking he's won, turning his back. But Benjamin grabs Havoc's legs and slides him in under the bottom rope before he hits the floor. Havoc returns and throws Corviday over the top, eliminating him and winning the match in 10.54. The co-main event was a singles match. Nick Armstrong versus Baron went 6.50. Baron won by a pinfall after a tombstone. And the main event was a elimination eight-man tag team match. So it's uh, Team Rocky, Rocky Monero, The Pariah, Eli Ferios, and Gabriel Arros, along with Tyler Daniels with Miss Malin in their corner, versus Team Grimm. So that's Grimm, Jet Armstrong, Redshaw, and Steve Miller with Jimmy C in their corner. First eliminated was Gabriel Arios by Grimm after pinfall. Second was Redshaw by Rocky Monero via pinfall. Third out was Tyler Daniels by Steve Miller after pinfall. Then Rocky eliminated both Steve Miller and Grimm. Sixth out was Eli Ferios by Jet Armstrong via pinfall, making the odds 1-1. And it went 19-14 with Jet of Team Grimm winning via pinfall after diving Onto Rocky Monero, sending him through a table. Any quick thoughts on RCW's A Glutton for Punishment, Alex? Yeah, so I spoke to you about this off air. I um, actually, after the last show, I went through the effort to watch this one and I was actually half excited about it. Get about five minutes in and I realized, oh yeah, no commentary. Yeah, if you guys aren't even going to make an effort to put on a watchable program for me, I'm not going to make an effort to watch, to be honest. Yeah, so there was no commentary, and the ring announcing was echoey, so it was sort of hard to understand what he was saying. There was no um, name graphic, so if you didn't, if you weren't familiar with a wrestler, you wouldn't know who it was. The positives on this one, I did enjoy the 10-man rumble match. It did go quick. All the uh, intervals were a minute. And the Nick Armstrong versus Baron match in ring was good. However, Baron's entrance and the zoom they used on this, like, if you're someone who is sensitive to lights, like, and you have a medical condition for that, I'd advise not watching this show. Because they were zooming in on this light that was strobing so fast like flickering on and off white lights it reminded me of like watching 
when you're watching like DIY shows on TV and the camera for whatever reason decides to zoom in on someone welding. Like I legitimately felt dizzy from this and had to turn this off and come back the next day. Yeah, right. Um, did you notice like the weird like filter on the camera as well? It was like like a darker sort of filter on the camera. Just like the way everything was filmed, like looked a little darker, a little less color, like closer to black and white, but like you still had some color in it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was just not as much lighting or if that was an actual filter. Yeah, it was definitely a filter in my mind. Um, Like when you get on Instagram and you use the vignette filter, like, that's what it looked like. Like, everything was sort of darker around the edges and, like, you got more colour the closer into the centre it was. Yeah, but my number one gripe with this RCW event, it's not the in-ring. The in-ring there is good. Sometimes great. But it's 60% of the results on this show made their refs look like idiots. I just ran through the results. I didn't run through what actually happened. So, in match number one, you have Matt Basso, who is the illegal man, pinning Zach Sabbath, the legal man, to retain the titles. In match number two, you have a referee when Tony tags Savannah, signals to Dean Brady that he has to get out and tag Izzy, forcing it men v men and women v women. But on the very next tag, when Tony tags himself in from Savannah, the ref has no problem allowing Tony facing Izzy. And in the main event, the six-man eliminate, Eli Ferios, was illegal. Not to mention, I'm about to read out the closing stage here. Eli Ferios, the illegal man, is eliminated by Jet Armstrong after pinfall. The ref is then talking to the managers on the apron while inside the ring, not outside and not knocked out, which is long enough for Tyler Daniels to return and attack Jet Armstrong from behind, grab a table from under the ring and set it up inside the ring, have both members of the Pariah return. As all four men of Rocky's team set up for a four-man table powerbomb, the three eliminated men of Grimm's teams return. They all brawl out of the ring, but Tyler returns again, goes to sucker punch Jet, but hits Rocky by mistake, who falls on the table. Jet sends Tyler outside and goes to the top rope. The ref then remembers a match is going on after about two minutes. All that interference I just read out while the ref was in the ring took place in two minutes. What What's going on there? Like, the in-ring there is good. The in-ring's really good in RCW. Like, the reason I stopped watching was production reasons. Um, and a thing... Obviously, you've got a bigger issue than that. Like... Eli Ferios, as he's eliminated, knock out the referee so they can double team for a little while and then everyone else runs in. The referee's not conscious to stop it. Have them go for a um, lifting powerbomb type move and inadvertently knock down the referee. 
The referee rolls to the outside, knocked out. He's not there to see all the interference. If the referee is standing, not being held, not knocked down, not outside the ring, inside the ring for two minutes with his back to the action, that just it's just a big hole in logic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because he's not the second referee. He's not like an enforcer. He's the referee who should be refing a match whilst it's still going. He's not even talking to an illegal man on the outside. He's talking to the managers. It's just... Yeah, I... I was not a fan of this show, especially by the main event. I gave this two beers. Um, quickly, look over the roster on that show. How many gothy boys were on that roster? Okay. Uh, Zach Sabbath? Yeah. By the way, Baron Counts. Antivirus in the Rumble, Corva Day, I guess. Kind of counts, yep. Actually, I should more be, I should more so say, geez, RCW is going to go out of business with the amount of black mascara they have to share around backstage every show. Like, can some guys, like, ease off on the whole face paint gimmick because... Quite frankly, like when Zach Sabbath came out, I was like, oh, it's one of the god. No, no, he's too small to be one of the gods and mon- monsters guys because of the- his get up. Like a lot of them just kind of look similar. Yeah, and we're not here to crap all over RCW. No, no, I've got a lot of love for RCW. There's- we want to make that clear that, yes, there's great in-ring, but if I'm looking at this from a neutral standpoint of trying to point out if I was a first-time viewer, would I go back and watch this with the amount of um, bad refereeing here or, as you pointed out, questionable uh, camera choices and lack of commentary? I think we can both agree after um, uh, Reanimated that this was more of a miss than a hit of a follow-up. Yeah. And the point I was making about the whole gothy boy thing is in WCW in 1996-97 how many other people in the company had you know white and black face paint none it it's not stings not special anymore if there's a few other people on the roster doing it and so it takes away from the luster of it all. So you got guys doing the whole gothy boy thing or whatever, or whatever you're going to do with Baron or Corviday or whatever, but they're all slightly starting to sort of seem like one another, and it's going to take away the specialness from each other. So they're just like at a detriment of themselves. They're not doing a good job of standing out, in my opinion. Yeah. But but I believe in our reanimated uh, review, I said I wanted to see Baron versus one of the Armstrongs, so I didn't even know that that happened until you read out the results. So that actually might be something I might have a look at because... 
Baron does intrigue me. I think there's something there with him. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree. This big monster. Oh, I, li- I like my big boys. We're, we've quite established that. Yeah, I just want to get that point across there. We're not here to to run down RCW. We No, not at all. Like We love RCW. We love their in-ring. I'm just merely pointing out if you have questionable refereeing decisions in a match and it's 60% of your results on one um, show, I think anyone would uh, question that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't blame you. So that's all that we watched in February. Alex, do you have anything to add? Overall, a pretty good month. Let's see how March goes for everyone. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. Pretty pretty good month. Yeah. So, um, did we do a Wrestler of the Month last month? Yes, we did. I've got them here if you want me to read them out. Yeah, yeah. Depending on who I picked last month, it might determine who I picked this month. So, last month I said Dowie James and Edith Knight, and you said Gavin McGavin. And Jessica Troy. Alright, I think that's determined who who's just gonna get it just to spread the love uh this month. Did you wanna start first or should I? I'll I'll go first. Um it what oh you know what? Bugger it. I picked two people last month. I'll give it to two again this month. Uh it's been really tough trying to figure out out of between the two. It's it's got to be Jessica Troy or Ricky South for me. So they can both be wrestler of the month. Like, honestly, I think Jessica Troy is the best wrestler in Australia at the moment. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Um, oh. See, I don't think about this until we're actually on air. <laughs> um, so my first choice is... Def Delander um, from MCW to Black Label PWA to uh, Nui Pro Invictus, she had a standout month. Yeah, that's a very, very good pick. Um, to be honest, like, by my criteria, I probably should have picked her now that, now that I think about it. But she's definitely a very close runner-up in my mind. Like, you look at all the big moments of the month, uh, Steph Delander's right there. And then I also have to pick um, Caveman Ugg from MCW to his match in Black Label and then his appearances up in Darwin this past month. I think he's uh, had a really good run as well. Okay, so we're just... So between the two of us, we've just picked the... um... PWA's title picture? Inadvertently, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so... So, um, in case you can't figure out, listeners, PWA had a really good month. (laughs) So, yeah, um, from there, would you like me to read out the schedule? Yeah, what's on the agenda, my man? So, yeah, first off, apologies again for the, um late delay of this one um just with both our work schedules australia reopening a bit we're trying to 
find time. So at the moment, we're still aiming for Wednesdays. Um, if anything changes, we'll address it on our socials. Yeah, and um, we'll refund you all the money you spent. <laughs> <laughs> I say with all the love in the world, guys. <laughs> so June 10th, we're going to have our third Fallout Down Under. We're going to be covering PCW's Grand Slam number two, which you've actually watched now, Alex. Yes, yes. Um, I might have to get on my Chris Thunder soapbox for that one. I can't wait. To... You haven't watched it yet, have you? No, but it did air on Foxtel uh, the other week. I can't wait to hear you talk about this event. This event was made to have you react to it. So that'll be on June the 10th. On June the 17th, we will have March 2020 in Australia and New Zealand, where we're looking at covering 12 events. And then June 24th, Alex, would you like to announce this one to the listeners? Yes. So we've gone back and forth on this one, and I've, I've brought up an idea to Chris, and I was like... Well, let's have a bit of fun with this thing. Let's uh, do a bit of a fantasy booking dealio and let's have Fruity's Ultimate Game Show. So for the first episode, we're going to be doing a bit of a draft. We're going to draft uh, any Australian wrestler that is not retired and unsigned to any major promotion, ROH included, Chris. So that's going to throw a few spanners in the works, which it kind of ruins mine. We're going to draft 10 singles wrestlers, six females and four tag teams. And then later on down the road, we're going to book shows and we're going to, book storylines and we're going to see how this thing goes and we'll throw a few curveballs in here and there. Someone might draw a card where someone might accidentally draw a card where someone's no-showed their event. Or maybe they have to do a talent swap for the, for the month or something like that. Who knows? It'll be fun. Yeah, it's actually one of the projects I'm really looking forward to because... You're the creative brains behind it, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, and I'll um, I'll be playing the role of Chris on that particular podcast series where I'll be doing uh, taking the lead and doing the hosting. So so Chris can do what I do and just turn his microphone on mute while I ramble and just eat heaps of food. <laughs> Uh. and um yeah so i've i have been putting way too much thought into this draft as well like trying to figure out like oh what steals can i get in the late end of the draft who can i draft at the very end that'll make a big impact and Chris won't draft. So I guarantee that my number, uh, what is it, 20, 20 draft picks we're making? Yeah, 20 draft picks. 
draft pick number 20 is going to blow everyone's mind. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got some big plans. And then after that, as wrestling's still in a um, bit of a off-season, most places around the world, uh, July the 1st, we will be having a Pick Your Poison show where we'll be going back and looking at different shows across the archive. Um, this one's going to be a bit special because it's um, a show that Alex and I both attended separately. It's um, the... We met up for a bit. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. A couple, actually. Um, yeah. So it's the WWE Super Showdown 2018 from the MCG, as well as... Melbourne City Wrestling's New Horizons and Wrestle Rock's Wrestle Brunch the afternoon before. Um, um, even though I wasn't at the Wrestle Rock shows that weekend, um, that's the one I'm most excited to talk about. So looking forward to that episode. Yeah, and it'll almost be nearly a year and year and three quarters by the time we talk about and just seeing how much not only WWE's changed, but how much uh, MCW's changed since then as well. Yeah, well, on the WWE front, you had a hot women's title feud between um, Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella brewing at that point in time. Oh, wow, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, you also had a really fresh and exciting new feud of Becky versus Charlotte. That I said with the most up, upmost of all sarcasm, and it's still going to this day somewhat. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be it'll be something different. It was something originally me and Alex were planning to add on a um, classic match at the end of reviews, but as um, we got back to the podcast, uh, wrestling had sort of gone on hiatus, so we put that on the back burner and wrestling's still away, so we thought we'd bring it back as a full show, and following that, there'll be a couple more until wrestling comes back, I think. Yeah, and I'm honestly just excited to just keep pumping out these podcasts. Um, in this day and age, it is the best thing to keep our mind off of the world that we live in wrestling is fantastic for that. And, um, I hope all the listeners out there are just, you know, hanging back, just watching some good old wrestling and having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Just be kind to one another and treat it. Everyone, how you'd like to be treated. Exactly. Exactly. So from there, we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, any final words for the listeners, Alex? Um, no, just just subscribe to our podcast, like follow our Twitter, do all that sort of good stuff. Um, if anyone has any other game show style ideas revolving around wrestling, give me a few ideas because I'm sure the fantasy booking thing could probably wear thin after about four or five episodes and we've all of a sudden, like, run out of booking ideas. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, much, much love and 
And uh, kindness to everyone out there listening. Uh, please be safe out there, wherever you are. Be safe. Be kind.